Welcome to the very first episode of the Two Guys Talking Ball podcast. I'm Griff Gonzalez. Beside me, the one, the only, Jackson Yuri, one of the guys with the highest basketball IQ I know. Jackson, how you doing? Doing well, Griffin. Excited to be on here. Kind of crazy that we're, you know, getting this started. We've talked about it before, but it feels really good that we're getting it going. Oh, yeah. And, you know, just a fun way to kind of talk basketball. I know there's a lot of stuff going on with the Eastern Conference Finals, but the Western Conference Finals already being wrapped up. Not, not to mention there's a lot of drama going on in the NBA that's not related to the playoffs right now, which is usually not the case. So lots of stuff to talk about today. We're not going to get to the – we're going to mainly focus on the playoffs today, which you got to start with the Warriors. I mean, gosh, how good are they? What a night they had. What a series they had sweeping um, Portland four games to none, all without Kevin Durant, which leads me to the question, Jackson, how good is this Warriors team even without him? I mean, this Warriors team ceiling is you, – you can't even really define it for the most part. You lose Kevin Durant to injury, and I think in anybody's eyes, no matter what level of the NBA you follow, he's a consensus top three, top two player, no doubt. And some people will even say the best player, the best scorer in the league, yet you're going on and you're sweeping your opponent in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, you look back a couple years ago in 15-16 when the Warriors were 73-9. and They didn't have Durant, and you just had those those core three of Draymond, Curry, and Clay. and you look at what they're doing now. It's crazy. You have been on you've, – you've told me before plenty of times you think that those three are arguably better without Durant. I think it's one of those very rare basketball scenarios where it's addition by subtraction. And when you look at what Kevin Durant is as a player, he needs a lot of shots. Um, he kind of, when you look at his offensive game, it, it's a very isolated play style, and that's just not what the Warriors are. There was a clip on Twitter from the other day that really said, uh, really showed a lot what I love about the Warriors now. And it's, I think, Ky- I'm not Kyrie Irving, excuse me, Steph Curry had like. 10 passes on one possession before hitting a corner three off a pump fake. That's what the Warriors team is at their best, and that's what they are without Kevin Durant. Um, and that's no offense to Kevin Durant. He's an excellent basketball player, and any team, I would say 29 of the teams would be lucky to have the, him on their roster. Oh, yeah. It's just hard as well. It's nuts. Yeah, it's crazy to think that he's the second best player in the world, and they're better without him. Um, which leads me to the next question here, Jackson. You know, when you look at this team and his contract is expiring this summer, the question then becomes, do the Warriors need to prioritize signing Kevin Durant? I don't think they do. I mean, after sweeping Portland and, you know, just steamrolling in the entire playoffs, even with Durant, like it's evident that they are so strong right now that no one is close to their level Regardless of who comes out of Milwaukee or Toronto in the East, I don't think either of them puts up much of a fight. I see that series, regardless of who it is, about five games. With Durant himself, though, I don't think he even wants to re-sign because he got, in my eyes, what he wanted out of Golden State to begin with, which was, you know, get a ring and you know potentially three after this season. And he really wanted those titles. That's why he left Oklahoma City to get guaranteed titles because they're just overpowered. But at this point. For his own sake, for his own legacy, and I don't care what he would say or what others think. Like I think players really do care about their perception and view, like across the league. 
I think he wants to go somewhere where he has to really do it on his own, even if he does get help. If it's New York and he gets Kyrie, you know, so be it. He'd still be much more the guy on a much less talented roster in New York rather than Golden State or wherever he goes. I think for his own sake, he wants to solidify his stake and just get one ring, like, on his own. Jackson, you ever, like – you ever are you ever on social media and you see a lot of your friends hanging out but you couldn't go but they're having like fun without you <laughs> and it's kind of like awkward because you're like man I wish I was there right now but you're not yeah I know what you're talking I about kind of what Kevin Durant is feeling right now and I think he kind of feels like I'm not there and I'm not really doing a ton um, and frankly they're doing much better without me i mean they just swept the second best team in the west let's be honest by record they were the third but i thought as of late they were really the third best team second best team because they looked fantastic down the stretch with damian lillard playing well and cj mccollum really playing his best basketball as of late and warriors made him look like an eight seed i I know very telling and i think if i'm kevin durant yeah i'm a little hurt I'm happy for the guys because like, I'm, I'm part of a team. But at the same time, I'm thinking, all right, who needs me more? And right now that the New York Knicks, that's a, you know, that's another team. And that's just Lakers, Clippers, you name it. They all would love a guy like Kevin Durant and Golden State. I'm looking at them and say, if I'm GM of Golden State, I was like, you make, Kevin, I love you, man. But frankly, for the money, there's other guys I'd rather keep. Which brings me to my next point of how important it is for them to keep Clay Thompson, because I don't know about you, Jackson, but in my opinion here, I think Clay Thompson is the first guy you go to in free agency and give him a blank check and say whatever it takes to make you stay. I, I'm in total agreement because I mean, in this five-year run of dominance that we've seen from the Warriors, you know, going along with it, those first two years we didn't have a Durant, or I mean, Cousins has been very minimal in their success, but they weren't going after those guys. They had those main three and they stuck to it. And as we're seeing without them, when it's these three again, it's the chemistry, it's the flow, it's what they're used to. They've been playing together for so long, even before this run. And I mean, Clay Thompson is arguably the most underappreciated star in the league, just with how talented he is and how great of a shooter he is. Obviously, Steph is going to get more attention, and Clay obviously is a fairly notable name, but he is so important to their success. I'm totally on board with what you're saying there. I, I just think he is so versatile. He's a he's a first of all the defense he had on Lillard's final shot last night was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. It's something that's not talked about. He had a hand in Lillard's face, and let's be honest, Lillard is arguably the best clutch shooter in the NBA when it comes to games like that. We've seen him do it numerous times, and now we're even talking about it, which is weird because. He's so key to what the Warriors are doing. And they came out a few weeks ago and said, our priority is keeping Clay Thompson here forever. We want him and Clay being here, Warriors forever. I'm all bored on that. I think that's what your foundation is. I think that's what your foundation will be. And if you keep doing that, five straight finals is going to turn into eight straight finals. Eight straight finals is going to turn into 10 straight finals. And I think that's even with a Kevin Durant in the Western Conference. If he goes East, God knows what can happen there because, frankly, if Kevin Durant goes east, who's going to contend in the west if Anthony Davis also tries to team up with Durant or Kyrie Irving tries to team up with Durant? And let's be honest, LeBron is going to have to slow down at some point. And these guys just seem to get younger and better, and their team is getting more versatile and more unselfish, which is the key to what makes the Warriors so special. Yeah, I, I like, like you said, unselfish. 
it just it works out so perfectly and they're always just you know working for each other trying to get the right shot on offense not you know for the point some nights it's Steph sometimes it's Clay it really just comes down to that that team and that positive energy that they bring to the table there's no personality that's getting involved that overwhelms the offense or just messes up their whole chemistry as a team you're very right there Jackson now I kind of want to shift gears here let's talk about the team that could not pull it out Portland uh, you know, on paper, it won't go down as a very good series because it looks like they lost 4-0, but that really doesn't tell the story. In fact, the analytics shows that if you take all the time of all the games combined and add it up and take the scores of those times, Portland actually led 51% of the game, of all four games combined, excuse me if that makes sense. Uh, 51% of the game time they were leading and they came, they ended up getting swept, which is just an unbelievable stat to me. Uh, but when you look at this Portland team and you see what they are, uh, Damian Lillard's not going anywhere. He was apparently about to resign a major contract for $191 million. Uh, CJ McCollum is just absolutely excellent. He'll be there for a while. You got Nurkic, who wasn't even playing in that series, most likely coming back. I mean, you, you have a team of loaded core guys. And how important? is you keep that core of C.J. McCollum and a Damian Lillard. I think it's really important, but I feel like it's such a complicated scenario um, because when I look at the landscape of the league, and particularly the Western Conference moving forward, like we were saying, if Golden State keeps its three-headed monster alive, they're not going anywhere, and the Nuggets are still so young and they're so good already, you give them a couple years – and really, even next year, if you know Michael Porter's healthy, Isaiah Thomas, you know who who knows how good they could be. So Portland is going to have plenty of competition within the next couple of years, if, even if they retain Dame. I just, I really love Dame and his game, and I like their team, and I, I respect the fact that the Trailblazers Trailblazers made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals this year. But I just don't see them actually can legitimately getting to the finals and contending for a championship unless they get another star. Because to me, Dame is great. He really is. He's so much fun. He's clutch. But he's a star. And in my eyes, you need a superstar in order to win an NBA title. The last time like we really saw, like I guess, a team-oriented ideal with – I mean, Dirk, it was a superstar. But it, it wasn't – I don't know. Those 2011 Mavs, to me, are like the only exception. So you really are not going to give Damian Lillard that superstar status? No, I mean he's great and he's almost there, but I, to me, there's only there's very few superstars in the league, like just a handful, and I don't think he's one of them. Give me an example of one. LeBron's a superstar. Kevin Durant's a superstar. Curry, Harden, uh, Anthony Davis when healthy, Giannis, those would be the first to come to mind. Kawhi, Westbrook. I am on board with Westbrook. I know Westbrook gets a lot of back. Oh, come on. You're going to throw Westbrook and not Damian Lillard. This is just one season of work we're looking at. Damian Lillard, to me, is so much better long-term for your team and where you want to do moving forward than a Russell Westbrook. Because for me, Damian Lillard is going to bring you those big shot moments. Damian Lillard is going to share the ball with teammates. Damian Lillard – if he's not hot, he's not going to be taking 30 shots a game. Westbrook is a player that needs 30 shots a game. 
uh, whether you like it or not, whether it fits into the game plan or not. And if you try to take it away, then you get an angry, emotional Westbrook, and that becomes a locker room issue. And we've seen that happen again and again and again. And I think it's the root of why Kevin Durant eventually left OKC. We knew how good that team was. They went seven games with the best team in NBA history, and he left. And I think when you look at Damian Lillard, you know, I'm going to disagree with you here, Jackson. I do think he's all-star – I mean superstar status because I think he's worth every single dime you're going to give him because he's going to give you that and wins. And I think at the end of the day, that's what the NBA is all about. But that's just my opinion. Um, moving, moving forward with the Blazers, you know, they are bringing back Dame. They were There were rumors going around he's going to the Lakers. That's obviously not the case anymore. Um, and now what we see is – this team coming back next year, they're a Western Conference Finals team. Can they go further next year? And is this team better or worse moving forward into next season? Record-wise and standing-wise, I'd say they're probably going to finish around top four again. Do I think they go to the finals or have a chance to unless they add another star? No, to be honest. I, I can't see it. Because I think the Warriors are still going to be a monster threat, like you know the same kind of not necessarily owners of the league in the regular season because they've kind of figured out how they like to um, play in the regular season. They kind of like to you know play well but not show their best to the playoffs. So they're obviously going to be up there. I think the Nuggets are going to be improved, and if the Lakers make some moves, I think the Lakers will be right up there in the top three. And I just I I love Dame and I love. The young core and everything the Blazers have, I just don't think they have enough to get over the top. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think it, they are so good. I think they do could be good, but they need, you know, you hate to say it, they need a Kevin Durant. I know. And uh, if, if he were to go there, then, you know, I'd be all on board. They need a Kevin Durant. They need, you know, they're dealing with Harrison Barnes right now, and they need a Kevin Durant. That's the analogy. They're not actually dealing with Harrison Barnes, but you know what I mean. They're dealing with a – Harrison Barnes level player and they need a little more than that. Yeah. Um, and I think they're kind of banking on the fact that eventually CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard will be the Steph Curry and CJ uh, it's Clay Thompson that the Warriors are. But the thing is you also have a lot of moving pieces there that Damian Lillard and CJ are not. You know, you still don't have that Draymond Green. I don't think Nurkic is that type of player. You gotta get the ball rolling your way in some way, shape, or form. Uh, moving forward to our second half of the show today, let's talk about Milwaukee, Toronto. What a crazy series this has been. Milwaukee starts off winning two games at home. Kind of, I, I don't want to say dominating. I hate saying dominating in the NBA. In control. You can win a 20-point game, the next game you can lose by 20. So I never like saying dominating. Uh, but they looked really solid the first two games. Maybe not a sweep, but maybe a five-game series. Now we're in Toronto. And it's a 2-2 series after the Raptors get a big, big win tonight. They led the entire way, it seemed. And now it's a 2-2 series lead, which leads me to ask, Jackson, what happened to that Bucks 2-0 lead? What changed? Well, outside of, I guess, game analysis, I think the biggest thing was just momentum. When you go back to game three, that was so crucial to how this whole series could play out. Just because, you know, you go to double overtime, really great game, fun to watch. But beyond all that, the deeper meaning is if Milwaukee holds on and gets the job done, you're up 3-0, you're feeling great, and you've got a, an opportunity to sweep or win in five. And if you're Milwaukee, you're feeling great. 
But if you're Toronto, that gives you that new life and that new energy to really take hold of the series and give yourself a real shot. And I think once Toronto did that, you know, they were energized and they obviously showed it today where they smacked the Bucks around. And they've they've taken advantage of their opportunity. Now we're looking at two to two and at least going to six. And I, I think this it could be a seven game series. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I see that I could see this being a seven game series. I could also see this being a five game series. That's what's so weird about this Bucks Raptors series because I look at the Raptors team. I look at Kawhi and how quietly he can be dominant. Um, but not to mention, they have so many role players in this team. Guys like Norman Powell, who had eighteen tonight. Um, obviously, you have Pascal, you have Lowry, you have Gasol. You just have a lot of guys who can play really well for you on any given night on that team. Um, but then you have Giannis, and Giannis can do so much for you. Uh, but my question is, you know, I don't think either one of these teams has what it takes to beat the Warriors. I think that's a four-game series done. My question is, can Giannis really carry over the Raptors? Because we saw him do it in game one and two. I, I don't think that's how it's going to work uh, moving forward, and it didn't work the past two games. And I think Toronto, if we're being honest, it's going to be really hard for Milwaukee to win a game there. Yeah. Um, that's one definitely. of the top places to play in the NBA. And I look at it as going to Milwaukee, for me, I'm looking at, all right, we have, let's see, four – Four games down, series tied 2-2, two games at Milwaukee, one game at Toronto. And I'm thinking if you take it to six games, you know, Toronto's more likely to win both of those than Milwaukee is. So Milwaukee really just needs to be able to win their home games. And in that case, I don't think it's they're a better team. I think it's that they got a better seed, um, which will be sad to see. But I mean, Giannis, I can, he's just been unbelievable this that season. And, I, I mean, it's unbelievable to see what they've been able to do. Yeah. Uh, game five, as you were saying, just the whole home court dynamic is humongous, obviously in general. But with Toronto, you know, such a great environment, so hard to play there. And what's big in my eyes for Toronto is they've really – they've grown as a franchise over the last couple of years. They've kind of been not necessarily a lapping stock of the NBA, but they've never really been respected in the same light. They've always been known as chokers in the playoffs. And now with the identity of Kawhi and just their improvement as a team, they really are more respected. And those games, as we've seen so far, not easy. And game six could you know very well be a lock almost for Toronto to win. Um, so I guess where I'm going with this is, if Milwaukee doesn't take advantage of Game Five and win at home, like you were saying, they could very much be in trouble. I'm thinking for the Bucks to win this series, they really need to have Giannis and Chris putting up 30 points consistently. Um, they need to have one game where both those guys combine for 60 or more. Um, and I think if they do that, they're pretty much unstoppable, just because those two are just such a threat inside and outside. Um, but when I look at Toronto, I see a lot of weapons. You know, we go back to that Kawhi matchup. Kawhi is so dangerous because Kawhi can do so much. Um, I do think he's the most – I mean, I do think he's the most efficient driver in the NBA. Um, I think he's the most consistent player in the NBA. And I think most importantly, he's the most quiet player in the NBA. And I think we know that last one to be true. But I think it's important going down the stretch because – in these games late in the playoffs, emotion can get the best of players. We see it all the time with, you know, whether it be a Westbrook, whether it be a Durant, whether it be 
a LeBron emotion gets to you one way or the another, and Kawhi, you never see it. And I think that's a big advantage for the Raptors. But when I move forward, I think if Milwaukee wins this next game, game five at home, keeps it decently close game six, I think it's Milwaukee in game seven all day. Now, if Milwaukee wins game five and then Raptors dominate the Bucks in game two, then you're going back to Milwaukee, a place that's not super tough to play for game seven. And Raptors in Milwaukee feels a little better for me for a game seven if I'm going with the Raptors, if they are able to dominate game six. So if anyone's going to win two in a row in this series, I do think it's going to be the Raptors winning game six and seven in this one. Um, but we'll see what happens. I do think it's just impossible playing Toronto, and I would be really excited to see how Golden State would play in Canada given that situation because I do think it would be significantly harder for them to play in Canada than it would be to play in Milwaukee. Yeah, I I don't know. It, it'd be a lot of fun. I'm curious about that as well, and I just don't feel like – I don't know. I've and I've never really tuned in for a Golden State-Toronto matchup anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't think they have it on the TV. <laughs> yeah. My big thing is, like, um, people forget, you know, Kawhi has won a ring, has played in two finals with the 2014 NBA Finals MVP, and people just seem to shrug that off like it's nothing or just kind of forget that he was so crucial to those spurs. Um, and he's been, you know, so great in these playoffs, obviously the game winner. Um, against Philly in Game Seven was incredible, but it's two different dynamics between him and Giannis. Kawhi's kind of reestablishing himself in the limelight of being this perennial NBA superstar, which he is one in my eyes. I think in most people's eyes, but Giannis is trying to establish himself because this is his first time really getting these like in high intensity, high or later round playoff experience, and I think that's what makes this series that storyline just so compelling. Yeah, I agree. I do think this series is definitely compelling. And it's compelling because at the end of the day, I think we know both these teams are playing for second place in the NBA. Um, And who's going to be the new king of the East? And frankly, to be honest with you, I would argue you have to wait till the end of this season, the end of free agency this year to really crown that title. Because frankly, once if Kevin Durant's going East, that team is going to make the argument to be king of the East. Um, But that's just my opinion as of right now, and I think it should be interesting to see where this series goes the rest of the way. Um, and something else to factor in, I have to say this before we move on, fatigue is a huge factor in the NBA, and a seven-game series knocks it out mm-hmm. of you. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of focus. It's a lot of intensity, and then you're going to go face a team that just swept the second-best team in their conference – and now you're going to come after a seven game. It's just going to be a tough turnaround for either one of these teams, whether it goes to six or seven, it will be very tough. Um, Jackson, when you look at either of these teams, Toronto or Milwaukee, how do they compare to the Warriors, if at all? It's it's so tough because I just don't think they can, either one really, put up a good fight. You can look up and down the roster and you can find – um, some alignment that you would want to use, I guess. But at the same time, like like you were saying, you've got Giannis, who's your incredible star from Milwaukee, and like Chris Middleton is a really good number two option, had 39, as you mentioned earlier. And then Toronto has Kawhi, and you have a lot of really good pieces there. But the sum of all those pieces just doesn't compare to what Golden State has. Golden State is just 
too loaded and too talented, and I just don't think either of them can really stack up. Yeah, I agree. I don't think either one of them stack up. I think they're both really good in the Eastern Conference, and I don't think they're going anywhere past that. Uh, I, you know, it's just hard to beat either one of those. I mean, it's hard to beat the greatest team of all time, um, which the Cavs did do. Let's keep that in mind. But you had LeBron James at like averaging 38 that season. Um, and now when you look at this Bucks raptors team, neither one really have that feel. And I think if you have a confident Warriors squad that remains unselfish with zero locker room issues heading into the finals, which is what we have right now, that's a train that's on a track that cannot be stopped. And I think right now that's what we're seeing in the NBA. And frankly, the Golden State Warriors are going to win another championship here in two weeks because of that. Um, and, you know, that's no, that's not Milwaukee's fault. That's not Raptors' fault. I don't think they need to go break the bank to catch up to Golden State. I think they need to hold, hope that a Golden State player wants more money. I think they're going to hope that a Draymond wants to leave. I think they're going to want to hope that uh, Clay wants to go have his own band. Um, and if he does – I think that team hurts. Um, even if you can keep Durant, if you lose Clay, I still think there's a lot of hurt there because I think Durant, as good as he is, brings a lot of drama. And that's drama that the Warriors cannot have because they're a better team when that stays out of the business, when that stays out. Um, but moving forward, neither team really compares to the Warriors. But who will be the first? Both teams in this series have taken a game on their home court. Jackson, who will be the first one? to win a game off their home court? Will it be Milwaukee and Toronto or Toronto and Milwaukee? Uh, I'd probably have to say Toronto and Milwaukee. Uh, like you were saying earlier, Toronto is just so tough to play at. And I, I know that we're focused on this season, but looking ahead, I think Toronto realizes that they really have to make a run at it if they're going to make a finals or win a finals ever in this current window. They have to do it right now because they don't even know if they're going to have Kawhi Leonard back next season. Um, and if that happens, if he's gone, then their whole outlook is totally shifted. So I feel like they have a little bit more of a desire. And since this is the Bucks' first time getting to the conference finals uh, in recent memory, they're they're still they're the number one seed. But I still feel like they're they're new to this. Toronto has been kind of you know second fiddle to Cleveland over the last couple of years. And now I think this they realize this is their chance. They've been second fiddle for, I feel like, 50 years. I mean, they've been second fiddle since the Pacers were the number one seed in 2012 or 2013. I mean, it's just been that kind of time lapse for the Raptors. And frankly, their time's running out. And frankly, if I think if you lose Kawhi, why not go get somebody else? Why not go get – guys who can bring your locker room up. And I think that's what you need. You need a guy who's clearly not looking for the next best thing. You need a guy who wants to be there. And I don't know a player that wants to be in Toronto. One, because the taxes, the taxes I should say, in Canada are pretty ridiculous for NBA players. That And no one wants to live in Toronto all winter long. It's cold. <laughs> so, you know, there's a few concerns with that. But I think, honestly, moving forward, I think – it will be Toronto winning one in Milwaukee. I think it's just way easier playing there um, than it is in Toronto. I think their home court atmosphere is awesome. I love the 
that they have watch parties for every playoff game outside the arena for people who aren't at the game. I think that's awesome. That's a great fan initiative. So I'm going with uh, Toronto's going to win in Milwaukee in that uh, next ball game or on game seven before uh, the Bucks can win one in Toronto. All right, let's wrap this up, Jackson. Um, next game, game five in Milwaukee here on Thursday night at 8.30. Who's winning that one in the wide? I think it's going to be Toronto. And I think it's going to be for a lot of the similar reasons we've discussed throughout this whole episode. Number one, the momentum thing. You know, after taking these last two and realizing you are just as good and can compete with this team that was kind of beaten up on you the first two games, they've realized their potential and how to play in this series. And then going along with the idea of if you win this one, you get to clinch it at your, on your home court where you know you're pretty darn hard to beat. So that incentive is huge in my eyes. And as we were talking about earlier, I just think Kawhi knows how to do this better than Giannis does at this stage in his career. Do I think Giannis's ceiling is higher and that he could be a much better player than Kawhi in the long term in the future? Yes, but right now Kawhi kind of owns this stage, and I think he's going to prove it. Yeah, I'm taking – I'm taking uh... – I'm going to go kind of opposite of you here. I'm going Milwaukee. I think Giannis is going to take a big-time leader role here, and he's going to put the team on his back this upcoming game. Um, I think Chris Middleton's going to have a major involvement in Game 5. I think they're going to play really well in front of their home ground. Um, and I think Toronto, I think they're going to struggle. You know, you'd have two hot games in a row, third, third game on the road. It's an adjustment. You're not playing at home. You're not sleeping in your own bed. You're in a hotel. It can be difficult, and I think we're going to see it be difficult on these guys here uh, coming up Thursday night. All right, Jackson, that's our final point of the show. Any other comments before we close it out? Uh, no, that's all. Actually, no, one thing. Another incentive that you're talking about with why people, free agents, don't want to go to Toronto, you got to go through customs every time. Mm. So that, that's, a, that's just a random thought, but there's that. That stinks. That would not be fun. <laughs> Been new customs once, not fun. All right, Jackson Yuri, I'm Griffin Gonzalez. We thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Guys Talking Ball. Uh, you know, it's just another great show we're trying to work out here. So we appreciate you listening. More content coming soon when the NBA gives us more to talk about. Up next, we'll probably talk a little Magic Johnson and Lakers coming up maybe later this week. For Jackson Yuri, I'm Griffin Gonzalez. We'll see you next time on Two Guys Talking Ball. 